Let's take our Bibles, uh, and we're going to go to uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We, we started here last week. All right, let me know when we're on the air. All right, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, it's good to see everyone that's made it up this, uh, to our services today. We have a lot that we want to get into uh, as we get started. And uh, we'll do a reading first of all to make sure that we are on the right page, and then we're going to get cranking. So let's go to verse 1 of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and let's see what it says. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and, the get, and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not so shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter from us that the day of Christ is at hand. Let, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or all, or that is worship, so that he, as God, setteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things, and now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who will now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall the wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the work of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceitfulness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of truth, that they might be saved." Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Again, Father, we want to thank you for the blessings that you have given to us today, that we might be able to stand before the congregation. Lord, we want to thank you for the, uh, the, the fine group that has met today, and I pray that you will just continue to bless us, that we may serve, and that we may find those things which are important to us from your word each and every day. Lord, as we see all around us the things that are happening, we know that all about us is wickedness on the increase. Even though there are many who are trusting in you and looking to you for direction and for your coming. And so, Lord, I pray that you will bless the faithfulness that we have, that you will guide us and that you will direct us. May we indeed rejoice in you and may we find those things which you give us a reward and a blessing. So guide us and keep us, Lord. Help us in all things. For it's in Christ we pray. And amen. So last week, uh, when we were together, I brought up one thing that I thought was very interesting was about the persecutions. I want to share something with you. Uh, first of all, uh, on the bottom here is this one book. It's called The History of the Evangelical Churches of the Valleys of the Piedmont. Now, the thing is, valleys is not spelled the way we spell valleys, but it is an old book. And I will tell you that if you ever get a chance to read it, some of it is in Old English. So please understand, that's how old this book is. It's still in publication. Uh, it's just been copied. I don't know if it's on the Internet. I'm not sure. But if you don't have a stomach for you know, real difficult things to look at, please understand that this book is going to be very graphic, and there's even wood types. Uh, one of the things when you take a look at the different kind of wood types, it shows how that people were literally persecuted. 
understand this, you would have a quick artist uh, concept. The person would take and he would uh, carve this out on wood carving, and then he would take these pictures and they would add them to the book. Everything from taking babies and throwing them over cliffs to women as they were put on pikes and raised up for other people to see. This is a, a very strenuous book. And the reason that I bring this book up is because not too long ago, uh, I had the blessing of receiving the Psalter, which is a Lutheran written book. And I want to read something to you from the Psalter today as we get ready to study. It's got some beautiful music in it. And uh, I would recommend that if you want to uh, look at this book, be very careful promoting it because it's not going to do any good to promote it. Now, here's the thing I want you to listen to. This is the complete dialect of the Lutherans, which are one step out of Catholicism towards the Baptist. Look what this one says. Therefore we confess in opposition to the heresy of the Anabaptist, who deny that Christ assumed human flesh of his mother. Now we didn't say that he, he received human flesh of his mother. We believe that that was the divine plan of God. That Christ has become a partaker of the flesh and blood of the children. That's in this altar. Once again, this is a direct attack against the Anabaptists. There's another little place here that I wanted to read to you. And again, this is something that I think everybody should know for. Um, this is from the Psalter. This is in regards to the Holy Baptism. Neither does this baptism only avail us that the time when the water is poured upon us, poured upon us, poured upon us, not, in, not immersed, and received by us our life. Therefore we detest the error of the Anabaptist, who are not content with, one, uh, with the uh, one only baptism they have once received, and moreover condemn the baptism of the infants of believers, whom we believe ought to be baptized and sealed with the sign of the covenant, as the children in Israel formerly were circumcised upon the same promises which are made unto our children. This is in the Psalter. Did you notice that there's two things that they have already put us down for? There's another one here that I'll just read to you real quick. This is found uh, also in this book. It has to deal with of magistrates. Notice what it says. Wherefore, we detest the Anabaptist and other seditious people, and in general, all those who reject the higher powers and magistrates and would subvert justice, induce community of, of goods, and confound that decency and good order which God had established among men. In other words, they have fabricated a lie saying that we, are, we will go about disobeying the magistrates of others. Understand that during the day of Martin Luther, even Luther persecuted Anabaptists. Even uh, the Catholics continued on to persecute the Anabaptists. Calvinism, you know, when you take a look at Calvin, he also persecuted Anabaptists. And the list goes on and on and on. Though you were Protestant, you still hated the Anabaptists. And here it is in a modern psaltery. And I want you all to see this. Finally, I don't know if you remember this, but there used to be a bookstore uh, that they'd gone out. I think there were Ashley or whoever it was. But anyway, at one time they had these little bookstores. Well, I never bought any furniture from those places, but they would take uh, wallpaper and they would cover their books and they would have them into their, um, you know, in their different bookcases as displays. 
Well, I'm one of these idiots that I kind of take a look at the books and I want to see what they're wallpapering or, you know, what they're covering up. And lo and behold, there were two Christian books, or so-called, this one's put out by Moody Press, by Moyer. And uh, I went up to him, I said, uh, how much do you want for these books? He said, nobody wants those books, you can have it. I said, well, just watch me. Anyway, so I just took it home with me. But I want to read from you. This is called Great Leaders of the Christian Church. And I want you to hear what they have to say regarding Anabaptists. Now, here we go. The Protestant Reformation produced three large Reformation groups, the Lutherans, the Reformed, and the Anglicans. There was also another smaller group that had a large part to play in the Protestant Reformation and has made no little impact upon Protestantism since the days of the Reformation. This group of people early came to be known as the Anabaptists. Now, so they, they lump us in, and they said, but we didn't make a small group. Some historians have been inclined to judge them harshly and to pronounce their purposes and activities as detrimental to the best interest and welfare of the Reformation. Well, here's the thing. The Baptists did have a lot to say about the Reformation. Before the Protestants came, the Anabaptists were. Might as well know that, okay? It is true these divergences did cause much embarrassment and irritation uh, to the other reformers. And again, they just lump us in, but please understand that. Sometimes with plausible cause, great leaders of the church were provoked to take stern measures against them. Yet at times they're certainly proceeded with uh, haste and questionable means to suppress their reactionary fellow reformers by resorting to force and harsh treatment. All right, now that's, this is again just pointed out. In another section, we have what is called the Baptist, about ten pages later. Here's what it says about the Baptist. You're going to love this. The Baptists acknowledge no human founder and lay definite claim to the New Testament origin. This is from a secular book. This was not written by Baptists. This was written by a, a, someone who is a reformer at the best, okay, or a Protestant at best. We shall not tempt here, however, in any sense to trace them beyond the Reformation. Well, again, he didn't want to go into any further because he goes, man, I, I, I don't have time to deal with all their claims. From the historian's point of view, they started with the rise of the Anabaptists. You know what he's saying? It's okay if they persecuted him then. It's okay to persecute him now. This was in the 1870s when the, the first teachings occurred. I'm, I didn't even take a look at this book, but the reality is, is that uh, I'm sure it's got a more modern 1951 copyright. Okay, so look what it says. The early English Baptists, the first congregation of which was established in Amsterdam in 1608, and the second in London in 1611, being influenced primarily by the Mennonites and, and so on and so forth. I just wanted to read that to you to show you that the world knows who we are. There's an interesting book called The Church of Jesus Built by Roy Mason. Maybe some of you all have it in your library. But do you know that Roy Mason also pointed out something very serious in that book? He goes, all the Methodists, the Lutherans, the Protestants of every form and every shadow will all acknowledge that the Baptists came from the early congregation that the Lord established. They made the claim, and there's no doubting it. Then why, if that's the claim that we are the oldest congregation, does anyone disdain us? And here's the other thing. Why? 
if you go down south or anywhere else, you, it's hard to find a Baptist church. And what they put in, that in real fine little tiny print underneath their big signs where it says a family church, family congregation, we are a Southern Baptist church. In other words, they want to hide the fact that they're Baptist. It used to be, if you went door knocking, that people would say, oh, we're that are upstairs about how that we see the Reformation having a negative impact upon the Baptist churches that we know today. However, the truth of the Word of God will prevail. We, we don't have to change tactics. We just need to continue on with what we're doing. And if you want to see a positive impact, then we need to take a look at it. So I brought that up to us last week, and I wanted to show you that even modern writers know the truth of these things, and those are in my library, and I hope that if you ever want to take a look at it, you can. It's interesting reading. All of these books can be very interesting reading. Once again, the, uh, the churches, the evangelical churches of the Piedmont, very difficult to read, but it's worthwhile if you can, get, if you can maintain the course. Now, we talked about last week how that the wicked one must be revealed. And, you know, the question is, will we see this wicked one come to rise? I don't know. But it does say that the wicked one will be revealed. Now, once again, uh, there have been, all through the ages, I think the last thing that we stated was that every generation wants to elevate someone who is of Jewish descent that uh, literally lifts up the charge of, well, who is this individual? Now, again, we just read from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I'd like first to go back just for a moment to Daniel chapter 11. I know I'm not going to read all of Daniel 11. We did that last week. But I want us to take a look at, in particular, some things that we have to understand that is written regarding this individual. Now, the thing is, when we take a look at the one that Daniel mentions, and as you can see up on the board, I, I have put this one question about the Antichrist, and we're going to get into that in just a moment. But I want you to understand this. In Daniel chapter 11, verse 37, it says, Neither shall he regard the God of his fathers. Now, that in, in itself says this man will be Jewish. Now, it's interesting to me, and again, I read about anything I can get my hands on, and, and one of the things that I found with Tim LaHaye and uh, Jim Jeffries is they wrote about the uh, coming events of the Left Behind series. And by the way, I, 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 if you can, read the book. Just remember it was written from a secular point of view, not written from a Baptist point of view. But he did a pretty good job with it. And the thing is, he is the only one that I have ever read that has even looked at the millennial kingdom from the point that we can understand it. So if you want to read a uh, great book, and if you have to, go ahead and go to the, the Glorious Appearance and the book that follows it, which is about the kingdom, and you will see a little bit more about what that thousand years like is going to be with Jesus Christ. But here's the thing that's interesting. It says in Daniel chapter 11 that he is not, he doesn't meet the bill of Jesus Christ. Now, what do we know about Jesus? We know that he was born in the little town of Bethlehem as promised by scripture. 
We also know that Rachel, the lament of Rachel, after we find that there was the weeping and the suffering that was going to occur there. We see all the prophecies of the Old Testament, which we, we go through every year, you know, around the, uh, the time of the holidays. And as we go through each one of these, I want you to take it to heart that this shows us that Jesus Christ is the one. To me, one of the great ones was Simeon, who was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And every baby that came in, he had an opportunity to look over every baby. Every little boy that came into the, the temple, he was looking over for that baby. Can you imagine the day that the Holy Spirit says he's coming? Just be watching, he's coming. And soon as Jesus Christ came in, you know, of course his mother carrying him, immediately Simeon got up and he walked over and he goes, this is the baby. This is the Messiah. And did you notice that he said, and a sword shall pierce your heart too, or your side too. Indicating the first prophecy that was in the New Testament that was going to be given concerning Jesus Christ. This one is going to die, and you are going to feel the pang of that thrust in your side as well when they pierce him and they pierce his heart. So even when we take a look at that point, there was a revelation that Jesus had come. The Jews weren't looking for him. And, and think about this. There was an interesting song written by Michael Card where you now have this, this priest that has listened to all the questions during Jesus' 12th birthday, if you will, or his bar mitzvah. And the whole time that he was there, the questions that came in, and when he finally left, there was one Jew, and this is where Michael Carr wrote the, the song, and he said he went looking for Jesus. Have you seen him? Where is he? Where is the I think that every one of us gets it into our life that we fail to remember that this Jesus fulfilled every aspect of the things of God. What do we know about this man? He is a Jew. And as he is a Jew, maybe he is of the lineage of David. Maybe that's all he has to lay claim to. But did he come out of Bethlehem? Does he fill all the responsibilities of the Old Testament? There's no way. Someone pointed out one time the, the odds of Jesus fulfilling every one of the Old Testament prophecies just concerning his birth, and it was astronomical. There have been many that have come up on this earth claiming to be Messiah, and we're going to get into that a little bit later, claiming to be the Christ, but they didn't fit the bill. Jesus Christ did not come in royalty. He came humbly and yet of royal descent. We're going to get into that as well. But look what else it says. Nor the desire of women. Now, again, the thing that really gets me is, is how many people today are really paying more and more attention to the, the homosexual movement. Now, I've had people say, you know, we had a discussion one time with a man, and he said, I don't think it's what this is all about. I don't think he has. And I said, well, that's interesting. But I really believe that this is referring to Jesus Christ, not or not Jesus Christ as he was separated himself from all the people and kept himself aloof for our benefit. But the Antichrist will not even have a desire for women. 
And he's going to hide behind the cloak of his religious nature while he seeks after what he desires the most. Look what it says. Nor regard any God, meaning even God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. When we see the Antichrist come, he will lift himself up as, I am God. Where does he get his power? Where does he get He's honored or not, but he is filled with—he's filled with Satan, and so the reality is, is because he is filled with Satan, there are so many things for us to look for. Now, I am one that I want to be very careful what I have to say, because as I speak these truths, I don't want anything to come out in the wrong capacity, because. I would rather teach something slowly and carefully when it regards to this condition so I don't make the claims over to the Antichrist and saying that he is like Christ in this way and make it over to Jesus Christ and saying he is the victorious one. I want to be careful that I will point out Jesus as my Redeemer, my Savior, and having filled all the responsibilities that God commanded on the other hand, I want to take a look at the Antichrist, who is a deceiver above all individuals. I want you to get that. Look what else it says. For he shall magnify himself above all. He will get to this place in his own life where he will be lifted up higher than anyone else. Let's take a look and see if that's not true. Let's go back over to 2 Thessalonians. And look what it says, beginning in verse 4. Now, well, we can go back to verse 3. I mean, the, the whole chapter is worth repeating. But let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. Now, why are we seeing the falling away first? Do you realize that there are laws that are being written all up? There are all kinds of laws that are there to make us ponder. Now, I'm not saying some of these laws aren't good. Don't get me wrong. But there are so many laws that if I was to drive down the highway, I guarantee you I will break a law immediately. And if I break the law, how many times am I going to be excused for my bad habits or whatever? And then people are going to say, it's all right. And yet, on the other hand, the laws are going to be written to make it even more challenging. Look at this. When it says, let no man deceive you, the reality of this deception is not because of the laws that are being written, but because a deceiver is coming. Now, where do we see the first example of the deceiver? We find it in Genesis chapter 3. When Satan comes, uh, when he comes to Eve and he goes, God, Growing up, John 3.16 was beaten into my head like nobody's business. I have no doubt that every one of us here had that same, that same experience. But today, when we talk to people about Jesus Christ, they immediately want to try to put 
Put you off guard. is that even then God knows that I am a sinner and I'm in need of his great redemption and he's made me a prince not because I'm deserving but because of his good grace look what else it says and there will be a falling So told of the great flood. Just how much devastation water can bring. I, I was made aware of a great tsunami that occurred, you know, I, I don't know how many eons ago. But there was a great tsunami up in Alaska, and it was taller than the Empire State Building was the wave that came ashore. How many of you have ever heard that the Mississippi River flowed backwards because of a great earthquake that happened in this area? Yeah. God's in control. And whether we like it or not, God has everything planned. And I think it's a reminder that he's getting tired of everything that's occurring. Look what else it says. And that is when their falling away occurs, that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. So... There's, a, there's this one question. Do we look for the Antichrist? I think we can see the Antichrist coming. Do I believe it's Joel Osteen? No, I don't. 
I know that if I said something, I'd get a rise out of someone. I, I had someone say to me that, well, you know, he's a great salesman. No, he's not. He's a deceiver. But liken unto Christ, he shall be antichrist. Look what else. Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all, is that not Daniel chapter 11, verse 37? He will elevate himself such that everybody will look at him and go, oh, isn't he magnificent? Do you realize that the last person that we had that was had this kind of moniker was a man by the name of John F. Kennedy, Jr.? He was literally looked at and said, oh, he's so handsome. All the women were swooning. He's so handsome. He's so good looking. And things like that. And, he, you know, I don't think it was an accident that he died when he died. Right now, there's a Robert F. Kennedy that everybody's talking about. He should be the next president of the United States. You know, I want what God wants for our country, not what man wants for our country. And that's why we should bring it out as well. But he will show, this man will show himself as God, and he will enter the temple. Wait a minute, there's no temple there right now. That tells us something else. The temple shall be built. I don't know when, but the temple will be built. There's going to be an agreement. And maybe this man will bring that agreement into place. Or maybe someone will deceive them, deceive the world and say, you know what, how can we expect Christ to come if we don't have a place for him? Maybe we ought to go ahead and build this temple. Whatever it's going to take, everyone will have an agreement. Everyone will be right there with what's going to be said. Look what else it says. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things, and now ye know what withholdeth, that he might reveal in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who will now let us will let, and he until he be taken out of the way. And then shall the wicked be revealed. Now, I don't know when he's going to be revealed. But there are so many people that they don't want to call him Antichrist. There's a lot of people that don't want to acknowledge that he's Antichrist or anything else. But once again, this is pointed out to us by the Apostle Paul, given by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and written down so that we might benefit from it. Look what it says. He will come in the spirit of his mouth and then destroy with brightness of his coming. In other words, this guy is going to come in like nobody's business and he's going to be well received. That brought me to this one question. And, and I, I really thought about this. If Antichrist is not real, and I don't know how many of you have ever heard this, but there are so many people that they want to dismiss Antichrist by saying there's no such person going to be upon this earth. And yet, when we talk about 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, it's specific. He's called wicked. And when we look at other people that are mentioned in the Bible, we can also see Antichrist in other places. Let's take our, first of all, let's go to the book of Revelation, chapter 13. And again, we're going to look at each one of these verses, given the time permission. And I want us to see what it says. Revelation chapter 13. And let's go to verse 1. And we're going to read all the way down to verse 18. I want to look what it says. And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a great beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his uh, heads the names of blasphemy. Now, once again, this is referring to, you know, how God wants this man to come about. 
We'll get into more detail on that, I'm sure, soon. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were the feet of a bear, and his mouth is the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him power and his seat and, and great authority. And I saw one of the heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wandered after the beast. Wow. To have literally being brain dead or to be wounded in the brain and yet come back. And they worshipped the dragon which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast saying, Who is like unto the beast who is able to make war with him? Once again, the book of Revelation calls him beast. Paul called him wicked. A little bit later we're going to hear him refer to as Antichrist. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. In other words, three and a half years. And he opened his mouth and blasphemed against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. Once again, there is this blaspheming directed towards God. Can you imagine a man upon this earth shaking his puny fist? You even more powerful. That is the reality of what Satan will be able to do in this one man. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints those that are upon the earth to, that were redeemed. And to overcome them, and power was given him over all kingdoms and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be the patience and faith of the saints. Now, we're going to look at the others. We can go in and take more, but I want us to consider a couple more passages. Let's go to Second John. Second John. And in Second John, we're going to go down to verse 7. And look what it says here. Second John, chapter 1, verse 7. For many deceivers are entered into the world, who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the faith? This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Now, there have been many who have rejected even Jesus Christ. I make this comment around Christmas time every year, around that holiday. And the thing is, we love to think about St. Nicholas, a jolly old man in a red suit. Well, when this man came upon the scene, he was an early Christian. And he took his staff and about beat a man to death because he rejected that Jesus Christ had come in the flesh. And he rejected that Jesus Christ was the Christ. So the man that we think of as St. Nick, so benevolent, so sweet, so innocent, about killed a man with his staff. Just so that you might know that. Here's the next one. Let's go. We, we read in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Let's go to First uh, John chapter 2. Let's go over there. 1 John chapter 2. I'm going to go down to verse 22. Look what it says. Second John, or 1 John chapter 2, verse 22. Who is a liar, but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ, he is Antichrist, that denieth the Father and the Son. I think it's interesting. Let's go to Mark chapter 13. Let's see what the Lord said about it. Mark chapter 13. And again, this is not exhaustive. These are just a few verses that I want us to get in hand. Mark chapter 13. Let's go down to verse 22. And notice again what it says. 
For false Christ and false prophets shall rise and shall show signs and wonders to deduce, if it were possible, even the elect. Do you see why we have to understand the things of God so clearly and make sure that we have that? Let's go to 1 John. I know I should have had you stay there. But in 1 John, and let's go down to chapter 4, and this time let's go to verse 3. And it says, And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come, and even, all, and, and even now already is in the world. Once again, Antichrist. One last one, let's go to chapter 2, verse 18. Look what it says in chapter 2 of 1 John, chapter 2, verse 18. Little children, it is the last time, and as you have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Now, this is definitive. This is definitive. Not the spirit of Antichrist, not likened unto Antichrist, but Antichrist shall come. He is called wicked in 2 Thessalonians. He's called the beast in Revelation. But here we see the name Antichrist. And for anyone who wants to deny that there will ever be such a person, you don't want to use the name Antichrist, then don't use it. But you should use the word beast. You should use the word wicked. Because that is throughout the Old and the New Testament. Even now, are there many Antichrists? In other words, there are many who want to profess themselves to be Christ, but are not. Whereby we know this is the last time. So it's now about time for us to be dismissed, but I want us to think about this for a moment. The word Antichrist, or this one that's going to be coming upon us, is already upon the earth. I believe that. I don't know what he's going to look like. I don't know how his appeal is going to be. But he's going to have an answer for the global problems that are all about us. And here's the thing that I want us to all consider. Thank God we are in his good graces. We should be looking for his coming and living for him until he calls us home. And when he calls us, then I look to the sky and be ready to go. Father, again, thank you for the good time that we've had together this, this morning. I pray that you will bless the message as it was delivered and continue to lead and bless now. In Christ we pray, and amen. We're dismissed.